Hallelujah. Here we are. Another wonderful, bright, glorious day in the Lord. And uh, welcome to Dominion Sonship Life today. The title is Continuation to What We Have Been Doing. And it is Warfare, the Warfare of the Mind. The Warfare of the Mind. We all are enlisted in warfare. I think we don't fully recognize it as born-again believers that we have just been enlisted on the battlefield of an unseen battle. And the greatest danger is to continue living life not being aware as a born-again child of God that actually we have been enlisted in warfare. Because then nothing would make sense. Nothing would make sense if we do not have a revelation that we have been enlisted in as a soldier for Christ on the battlefield. And if we're not aware, consciously aware, especially I, I think of Paul's writing, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, Paul's writing to Timothy regarding, well, to the Ephesians, the armor of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, we wrestle against powers and principalities. We wrestle against spiritual entities. And um, without realizing this really reality that we are engaged in, knowingly by God, knowingly by God because His confidence is Christ in us. His confidence is the victory that he has already wrought for us. So knowingly, this setup is set up by God because he is dominion. But so often in the body of Christ, and oftentimes it could be a lack of a teaching or wrong teaching or just not really the bottom line is Abiding in the Word of God, reading with, with the eyes of the Spirit, hearing with the ears of the Spirit, that we are in warfare. And if we refuse to acknowledge it in a very sober way, not in terms of being demon chasers, <laughs> but in a very sober way that we do have a part to play in the keeping power of the Holy Ghost that we engage with, then we really would blame it all on God. Then we're like, God, why all these funky moments happening in my life if you so love me? If you so love me, God, why am I going through these bumps and scrapes and, 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 and perceived falls? Why, God, am I stuck in this uh, no go forwards or go backwards kind of a sense? Like, God, God, why? It has nothing to do with God. It's actually got to do with you being placed on the battlefield. It has to do with you having an adversary. And God's love for us is so great that he sent his son to die for us, that he defeat that foul, foul, foul entity, the adversary called Satan. The God had a major plan, a plan of salvation to be delivered out of evil, wicked works unto a glorious salvation of brand new God life. And so the message is what we have been camping on is the mind of Christ, that because he so loved us, 
in this new salvation that we have, that we are now partakers of divine nature, that we through our new birth became brand new creation, brand new. Have you thought about that? Because Paul tells the Corinthians is how that is how we're supposed to know ourselves now. Not the way we were raised up or we were barely raised up by anyone. But by how much God loves us, that he made us brand new in the God class, associates of the God kind, to have dominion, to carry the name of Jesus. And we know from Philippians, this name is above all names. That in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the son of God to the glory of God. That we now bear his name, that we, we are part of this glorious body of Jesus. That's his confidence. That's God's confidence. Is it your confidence today? Or is it your creative ability to wiggle in and out of a problem? This is how I've always done it. Conniving, manipulating, controlling, lying, cheating, whatever it takes. Betrayal. When God's confidence is Christ in us. God's confidence is that we would think straight by placing this mind of Christ within our spirit man. This mind of masterful navigation that nothing shall by any means harm us. That we're so preserved and kept by the power of the Christ life within us. That nothing and no one, nothing can snatch us out of this divine life that we have, which is the life of God. And in this life we live, and whose life do we live? His life. That's why we're one with him. His life. His life we live. And that makes us one with God. We are actually living in his body. Living out his life. Living out his life out of his body. Whose body do we live out of? This, my body, is part of his body. My life, it's his life. Now that's the confidence that God has in this new birth creation. Ha, ha, ha. Pure dominion and glory. And do we have that confidence? And that's what dominion sonship is about, is we have been opening up the word of God to remind ourselves again of God's great love for us, that he so loved us that he made us brand new through the life of his son, that we bear now his likeness, that we bear now his very expression of life, that we bear now his nature. And because of what he has done for us, he's got full confidence that we're going to make it. And yes, we have been placed on the battlefield. And this waging of spiritual warfare, where it affects us 
first and foremost. And it's really the gateway into our body, into our families. It is the mind. The mind. The warfare. It is for the mind. The spiritual engagement is to capture your mind. The spiritual warfare is about a domination of a ground. You know, there's, there's games. I'm not big on board games. I, I can get quite competitive, so it brings on the flesh. <laughs> so I avoid certain snares, and board games tend to be one of them. Uh, they're wonderful. It's just they're not, they're not so good for me. But... Um, I think that was one of the first few times I made my son cry <laughs> because I got so mean-spirited. That's when I decided I'm not good with this. No. <laughs> oh, God loves me. God loves my son even more. <laughs> oh, refocus. Battlefield. But, you know, it's all about gaining ground, right? It's all about strategy. The ground that Satan is after and that God really has for the mind of Christ is this mind. That's what Satan is after. It's your mind. If he can capture your mind, if he can mesmerize you by way of lustful thoughts, and I'm not even talking sexuality. Lustful thoughts is whatever's engaging your eye gate. Whatever is, is bringing certain drives of your outer man that you want to satisfy that are not of the nature of God. Satan is after your mind. Because once he has captured your mind, he's captured your ground. He's captured your family. He's captured your destiny. He's captured you. But Christ now dwells in us, and he's the captain of our salvation. And we are not to be captured. We have actually been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And we are now above reproach. We are above capture. We are untouchable. The way Satan had nothing on Jesus, he's got nothing on us. And that is all to do with how renewed is your mind? How much have you allowed the water of the word to clean your mind and to silence the accusations, to silence the thoughts, to silence the mesmerizing actions and activity of the enemy? Those fiery darts that seem like they seem to flash so fine. The warfare of the mind. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. It, it's right here. Actually, 2 Corinthians 10. It's shaping up to be one of the more practical messages right here. So this is, this, this is, we're trusting God for the utterance. 2 Corinthians 10, we're going to start from 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. I'm going to read this first in um, the New King James, and I'm going to look it up in the Strong's. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare, the weapons, okay, so here's the word warfare, the weapons of our warfare, which it's telling me we are in a warfare, and in this warfare, we have been given weapons. So the very fact I'm given weapons, it's telling me, uh, got to use those weapons. They're not been given to us in vain. They're not given to us to, as, as, a, as a shield to put up on the wall. They're not decorative pieces, fine decor. These are mighty weapons of war, destruction, demolition. They're demolishing. They're destructive of nature. Weapons that we have, they're weapons of warfare. I love that, that, how clear he is about what he's given to us. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal. They're not of the earth. They're not natural. They're not fleshy. So back off from working out a fleshy fight. Back off from every carnal debate. Back out of every fleshly engagement of wanting to prove a point. Back out of it. You'll fail there. That's not what God has given to you. And if you fight on the carnal level of the earthly fleshy way, you will lose because Satan is a spiritual foe. He's a lot more craftier than your natural mind can conceive. Natural mind, not the renewed Christ mind. So these weapons, they're not carnal. But what are they? They're of a different kind from the carnal, right? They're just the opposite of the earthly. They're mighty in God. These are weapons that God himself has given to us. And if God is mighty, he's saying this weapon is mighty. For God to say it's a mighty weapon, it must be pretty mighty. It's not child play weapon. It's not maybe, hopefully it might work. Hopefully, maybe it might work. Do you want to try it out for me, Desi? God says, no, they are mighty. And that's why God has confidence. God has confidence to place us right smack in the face of the foul thing for us to take our foot and put it over him. So down you go, foul thing, you are defeated. And where do you do that in your mind? Where do you trump the enemy? Where do you conquer the thought? Where do you conquer the intimidation? Where do you silence the lie? In the mind, because these weapons are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And we're looking at the strongs, but this word stronghold, it's only used here according to the strongs concordance. No other time in the Bible that, that, that uses the word stronghold. A mighty fortress. So these mighty weapons are to bring down fortresses. Casting down arguments. Arguments, that word is logic, reasoning. It's, it's a working of the mind. Yes, but. Yes, but. That doesn't make sense what you just said, Jesse. Yes, but. And just, just you lay a little logical argument. You defeat it. Anytime you move in this carnal logic, you're bound to lose that moment. Anytime you move in your decision-making out of a logical one plus two equals three, this sounds very 
good to me. Be led. Be led. Cultivate this mind of Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to groom your hearing. To groom your sight, to groom your understanding. And yes, you we walk this out. We do make some logical mistakes over the years. I can look back and yes, but those are all learning, training. It's kind of like the wheels on the little bike. It's training wheels. You're learning to come to a place of greater maturity. That now I do have the mind of Christ. That now I have access to insider information i have access to glory dominion power i have access to success only no failure because there's no failure in love so not carnal but mighty in god for the pulling down of strongholds casting down what arguments arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity. Now he's telling you where the warfare is. The warfare is in the mind. Because you're taking captive what? The enemy. Where is he identifying the enemy? Taking what? Every thought captive. In work, what do you take captive? You take captive enemy. Where is the enemy that you to take captive? Is these thoughts that are in your mind? The warfare is in your mind. That's where you take it captive. I had spoken, I think it was last, last Sunday in the very beginning. We had a bit of a technical difficulty in the first five minutes. We couldn't record that moment. But at that moment, I said that you can't align an external moment without an eternal alignment with the Word of God. You, you, cannot, you cannot change your circumstance without changing the circumstance in your mind. I wrote here, your conviction is greater than your circumstance. Your conviction of how you see a circumstance is actually determining what your circumstance is. The way you see a circumstance, the way you perceive, the way you think about your circumstance is actually what your circumstance is. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, we, we all have had friends that we, we talk to and um, they tell us a story that is very sad in their sight and you hear it. I'm like, I don't think it's so sad. I actually think there is glory in it. Or you have the other extreme where they tell you a story they're so excited about and you're like, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be thrilled. I don't think God's in that moment. It's how you see it. It's how you have allowed your mind to stay. It is how you have decided to think. And so you take captive every thought Bring every thought into captivity. What? To the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ. The anointed one and his anointing. To the obedience of Messiah. To the obedience of the one whom he sent to rescue you. To the obedience of the one that died for you. To the obedience of the one, to the one that defeated Satan. Do you think the one 
the victory, the defeat that Satan wants you to tolerate wicked thoughts in your mind? Do you think the victor himself, because according to Christ, do you think the victor wants you to fool around with the one that's about to stab you and destroy? You think the victor that paid such a high price for you to have a sound mind, you think he would tolerate and be very happy with the destructive thoughts that are, that are just free reigning in your mind? No. No, it's obedience according to Christ. You bring, you captivate every thought. No, you foul thing. I have a mighty weapon. I have the word of God. I have the mind of Christ. And I'm going to disallow you to talk to me like that because I am subjecting you to the Christ identity that I already have. This is where the battles are won and lost. Not your bank account, not your marriage, not whatever you fill in the blanks. It is how you perceive your moment. And this perception is to be in obedience to Christ's perception. The way you see your life is to be in light of how he has brought you out of darkness into a glorious brand new kingdom. It is according to this new location that you live out of, which is really the mind of Christ. And so you bring it captive, every thought. So we are very much aware this is to do with the mind. Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish to punish all disobedient, which is telling me we are tolerating way too many disobedient thoughts that bring forth an external disobedience, an external disobedience. And so often we catch ourselves feeling guilty about an external disobedience, not recognizing it was just a byproduct of what we actually thought. But no, we don't want to deal with a thought. I often call it ice cream or candy. Because for just a moment, it's seductive in nature. It's sweet in nature. Well, because it's demonic in nature. Satan is a seducer. He appears as an angel of light. Doesn't come with a pitchfork. He comes in a very seductive way. Eye-appealing way. So why? You swallow it. So you take it. It's a logical thought. It's, 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 it, after all, it's the right thing to do. It's reasonable to do this. Being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So now we will, we will go to the strongs. We're going to start from verse three. For though we live in the flesh, and that word in the flesh is in the body, human body. We do not wage war. To wage war, we do not fight. We do not serve as a soldier. I'm just breaking down the Greek words of this verse here, where we read the very verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In the Strong's, this is translated, we do not wage war according to the flesh. And the part we do not wage war is to fight, serve as a soldier. 
And it's not according to the flesh. It's not according to our human nature. It's not according to the body. The next verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The word weapons, it's an instrument. Arms, weapons, is the Strong's 3696. Implement, a tool. Properly, the word study for this is an implement normally used for warfare. In the New Testament, this word is actually always used, always in plural, such as weapons of warfare. So it's not just one weapon, but we've been given weaponry, weapons of warfare. Instruments to make war underlines that God always gives all the resources we need to prevail in every form of spiritual warfare. And that's why the word says he's not going to place you in a place you cannot come out of. He won't give you more than you can handle. The very fact you're in that battle, it's because you're going to conquer it. The very fact that thing is talking because it's about to just go under your feet. You're not there for God to show you how wretched you are. It's for God to show you how victorious he is in you now. The very fact I face some moments once I sober up and I recognize, all right, I am in a moment. My very next thought is Christ is in me. And then my very next thought, I'm coming out. I'm not just barely going to come out. I'm coming out in a big victorious way. I truly believe this. So God always gives all the resources we need to prevail in every form of spiritual warfare as we live in faith. His inbirthed persuasion. And so every resource, faith is part of the weaponry. The persuasion that this word produces which we know the word of God is, is, is the sword of the spirit. That, that which this spirit word produces a swordship in the spirit. That my persuasion, my conviction, my belief is a sword in the spirit. And if I do not have a persuasion that's based on the word of God that is a sword to the enemy, the only sword to Satan is this word that you are persuaded by, which we call faith, and we're walking out this persuasion. Well, if we're not moving out of this persuasion of what the word has, has, has communicated to us, then the sword of Satan, which is lies, will take us down. It is a war. So if you want to pick up the sword, if you want to, yes, you can pick up the sword. You don't need to pick up the sword. It's only for just, just the few extremes, just for the few ones that just, you know, just because they like to fight. We are in a warfare. For, for what, what we just read, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. You are, you are. You've been placed on a battlefield. So time to wake up and hear the roar of the battle. And you roar the louders. Let, let the lion of the tribe of Judah roar out the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, and demolish every argument. So 
we looked at weapons. So this, the weapons of our warfare, the word warfare is the 4752 campaign, expedition, hence warfare. Military service. And um, it talks about Paul's writing, in light of Paul's writing, the apostolic career as one of hardship and danger warfare. It, there is hardship and there is danger. It is warfare. It's not a walk in the park. And there is danger. And it's used twice right here. And the other one is in 1 Timothy 1.18. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1.18. Paul to Timothy is using military term here for this charge. I commit to you. And that word charge is command. I command you. I command you. I charge you. Paul writes to Timothy. I command you. This charge I commit to you, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them, by the word that's been spoken over you, by the prophetic utterance, by that which God has spoken to you through the vessels, by even maybe whispering in your ear of the Holy Ghost, in your spiritual ear concerning you, by them you may want wage the good warfare. It's how you do it. You take the sword of the Spirit. You take the sword of the Spirit and you recognize that we are now in a battle. And this battle is winnable. It actually has been won. We are enforcing a victory. Go back to, so the weapons of our warfare are not of the world. They're not carnal. The strongs here is 4559, they're not fleshly, they're not carnal, they're not earthly, they're not pertaining to flesh, they're not temporal, they're not unregenerated, they're not temporal, but they are eternal, they are of God, they are eternal, and so we are the word of God, we know does not perish. It, it, it abides forever. We are using eternal weaponry. Why is God confident to put us on earth in a battle? Because he's equipped us mightily. With eternal weaponry, not just one, always used in plural. We just read it about weapons. They're not of the world. They're not carnal, but they're of God. In the Strong's, it says, instead they have divine power, divine power. And of course, when New King James says that they're mighty in God, they have divine power. The word power is from dunamis. We've looked at this word before. It's a Strong's Concordance. It's Donatus 14, 15. These weapons are strong. They're mighty. They are powerful. They're able possible. Another word for mighty in God, powerful in God, possible. You are fighting with possibility. You are armed with possibility in the face of that battle that's screaming, that enemy that says impossible, big block letters, impossible. I have a possibility, eternal 
empty. I can't do it. If I'm in this moment, I will overcome it. I will. I will prevail. I will. I will come out of it. What a bold statement. It comes from persuasion. That's what we're hearing even now coming out. It's the word of faith. It's the word of God. It, it is to shape us. It is to be, make us become a weapon for God. We, you and my, in Christ, as we dawn on this mature mind of Christ, we are becoming a weapon for God that God can now dispatch us to someone that is in the middle of a battle and f flaring and, and, and losing ground and we can go as a weapon from God says, no, you will make it. You will do it. Remember who is in you. Remember what he spoke to you like Paul told Timothy. Use that which is spoken over you as a weapon of warfare. You're coming out, but you're coming out. We're going to walk it out together. That is called the body of Christ carrying each other's burdens. That's called the love of God. That none shall falter in the midst. That none shall lose their rankings and, 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 and stray away from these army flanks. But keep rank. Dunamis, mighty weapons, able, describing what these weapons, describing what is made possible because of the power, the ability exerted by the subject. These are God's weapons. It's actually God in us holding himself out. God in us, he is upholding this word of truth as we are upholding the word of truth. As I would hold, I uphold the word of truth, which is the sword of the spirit. Who is upholding it in me? It's Christ in me. So it's God in me with that sword that is him himself. It's God on the battlefield. All that is seen, the weapon and the vessel, it is God, 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 God. It's no longer Desi who lives. It is Christ in me. And he is the one that's called to dominate every moment. The way we see him dominate with the Pharisees, every argument, every pretense, every high thing. It's happening now in our mind. These pharmaceutical thoughts of trying to ensnare us, trying to catch us on the legal terminology, trying to... To, to restrict us to, to holy days, non-holy days. This is how you do it. It's not how you do it. This is what God looks like. That's not how God looks like. They, they couldn't even discern that he was the Christ, those Pharisees. Those religious rulers. Well, we have those religious rulers through those strongholds talking to us in our minds, not discerning or wanting to intimidate the word of truth, the persuasion of Christ within us. Not going to happen. Because greater is he that's in me than the one that's in the world. That's wanting to taunt my mind. Whew. God says, where is the taunt? There's no taunt. <laughs> no taunt. Only happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. So we have these mighty weapons of God. To the pulling down, that word is demolished. We just did actually a pretty neat thing. 
The Lord laid on my heart to do dominion conversations with my son and one of his peers, and we're going to add on to it. We're going to add on. It's going to grow. Woo-hoo. And um, we talked about distractions and, and, and a forward focus, really. Um, and Boris actually said something very profound that I have been thinking about. It's demolishing. That we were, we were communicating, uh, just encouraging one another, how we redeem from being idle. And Boris said, I just not so much of do nothing all day, which of course we know it's not beneficial. But idle is when you really stray away from the call of God. You can still find yourself being busy and doing things, do, 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 do. But actually that moment, you're really idle where the call of God is concerned. And this idleness where the call is concerned is actually demolishing you. See, it's like a demolition. You're still working hard on that house, but what you're doing is actually demolishing it. You're demolishing the house. At the end of the day, you feel really tired. You've worked all day, but you built nothing. You just demolished all day long. It's just how how we can be as believers, demolishing the call of God in our life. Well, we are to demolish that demolishment that enemy wants to do against us. We're to demolish that argument of idleness. It's not what's the biggest thought I think of. I, I had to deal with. It's not the call of God. It's dull. It's not worth it. Who cares? Call of God. Whether I do it or don't do it, I'm, I'm saved. I just, I live every single day. Normally I just, I just read my Bible. Call of God, call of God. Too much hassle. Too much hassle. That's the wrong thought. That's an idle thought. That is a thought that we are to demolish. That's a thought that we are to destroy. Because we will give an account to the call of God. We will. That will be the primary. That will be where we're going to give an account according to, to what he's called us to do on earth. Did we fulfill the charge he gave us? Demolishing. That's the word, Boris. To do, it's right in there. To demolish. Here in the, in the, in the King James of pulling down strongholds, demolishing a house of lies. To demolish is taking down, raising, destroying. Figuratively, actually, it's extinction. To bring to extinction. Bring that foul thought to extinction. Wouldn't you love to do that to Satan? To make his word extinct? Wouldn't you love to do that? Well, we can. We have weapons that make his word, Satan's word, extinct in our minds. Void, now and void. Oh, I love that. And then strongholds to pull, for the pulling down or demolishing of strongholds. And I wanted to look up this word. It's 3794 in the strongs. A stronghold, fortress. So this is what we're bringing down, right? So this is what we are actually demising, what we bring to extinction, what we are demolishing. This right here is what we're demolishing. And I've always said that the biggest thing that you do once you get born, born again, it's easy. You just receive. But the next moment that you, that the Holy Ghost will take you is this road of transformation from glory to glory. And the way you engage it is through the renewing of your mind, which is the biggest job of the believer. 
And we know now the renewing of the mind is the biggest job. Why? Because you're constantly demolishing these strongholds, saying no to that thought. No. And you're supplanting it. You're taking out and you're putting a brand new thought from reality divine. So the word stronghold is a fortified military stronghold, a strong walled fortress. I mean, Satan trusts your flesh. There's nothing stronger wall than the flesh that does have a thought process. Me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. It's all about Desi. In that, in this, it's all about Desi. This fortress of the flesh, it's about Desi. And we're to bring it down. We're to demolish it. It's heavily fortified containment. It's used figuratively a, uh, of a false argument in which a person, look at this, it is figuratively used as a, of a false argument in which a person seeks shelter, a safe place to escape reality, a stronghold. I tuck into that lie. I'm just, I'm just not good. And you play it all out. And for some weird demonic moment, it actually to the flesh, that pity and wallow feels good. Only to demolish the call of God in your life. Only to destroy who you are. That's when you rise up and you take this mighty weaponry of the mind of Christ, the weaponry of the word of God. I have now a faith persuasion and I'm going to bring it down. I'm going to face reality because reality is my way out of this moment. What is reality? If God before me, who can be against me? What's reality? I'm born of God. I've already overcome the world. What's reality? He loves me first. And then it's been used only, right, actually... Another Greek lexicon, it's um, properly a castle, stronghold, fortress, anything on which one relies, a stronghold. Well, in the old time, you know, they would just build a stronghold. Like I think of Jericho, and those in, in Jericho relied on that stronghold, right? And so it's been used only one time, right here, right here. Verse 5, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The Strong's is, we tear down arguments. Argument is reasonings. That's the computation. That's, that's the, the, the logical mind. And every presumption, presumption I have here is lofty opinion. Arrogant interpretation. I even think of wrong interpretations of the word of God. Presumption. Uh, height. Barrier. Bulwark. Presumption. I'll look it up closer. 53.13. In the Greek, it's something lifted up. Presumption. Arrogance. We're to tear down every arrogant thought. The next one is that these are, these arguments and presumptions, they're set up against the knowledge of God. These are the fortifications of that stronghold. It's these arrogant thoughts. It's these logical 
thoughts of reason and computation. That we rely on. That are exalting themselves above the knowledge of Christ. Now, this is also very neat. They set up, it's to, they, they raise themselves up, these, these arguments, these thoughts against the knowledge of Christ. But the word knowledge is, um, from, it's, it's gnosis and it's from gnosis, knowing, but it is a functional knowing. It's a working knowledge gleaned from firsthand personal experience, connecting theory to application. So these arguments, these lofty opinions, these logical thoughts are exalting themselves above the knowledge of God. So it's not above the theory of the word of God. It's above that which you know of the word of God works. So at the end of the day, you have no excuse when you stand before God. You didn't know it. No, you allowed the lie. You allowed a foul stronghold that you wanted to escape reality. You didn't want to deal with it. You didn't want to acknowledge you are in a warfare. You didn't want to pick up the weaponry of Christ that it's he himself who's going to battle it through you. It's already been trumped. You didn't want to do that. No, no. So you would just deny. I really didn't know God. I didn't know. No. It's gnosko that's used there. It's a functional knowledge of that which you've already applied, applied in your life. Not only do you know it as a theory, as a doctrine, as a, as a thought, as, as, as a, as a, as a verse in a scripture, you have actually used it in your life and you know it works. You know it works. But it's too hard to work the work of God. That's why those decide, those, those, um, they asked Jesus, what are the works of God? Was to do the will of God. Was too hard. Too hard. So I'm just gonna like, nah, 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 nah. I never knew about it. I'm just gonna walk over there. But they're exalting, they're setting themselves up against the knowledge of God, against the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of God, sorry. And it, these, these, uh, this knowledge is connecting theory to application. It's application knowledge. Another part of the study is applied knowledge. Is only as accurate, reliable as the relationship it derives from. For example, uh, and of course not about Gnostics, right? Um, they boast about their applied knowledge gained by their personal spiritual experience. And, and then for, for them, if it's not based on the word of God, it's disastrous. That's what these strongholds want to do. It's to demolish the power of Christ in your life that you are fully persuaded by. So the warfare is about submission. The warfare is about bowing the knee. The warfare is about whom you follow. You either deny Christ the knowledge of him and tuck into that lie to escape the reality or 
you demolish that foul stronghold that Satan works through to destroy you. I choose the latter. I choose to be fully aware I am in a warfare and the warfare is about whose mind will I submit to? The warfare is about whose thought will I follow through with? Christ the shepherd or Satan my destroyer? Christ my shepherd is the answer. Above knowledge of God. And then we take captive. That word captive is subdued to ensnare. So now we are subduing. So we're not going to be subdued. So when you subdue it, you're not going to be subdued. So someone's going to be subdued. And it's not going to be the Christ man. It's our decision to make that. So we're not going to be taken captive at Satan's, what is it? Free will. There's actually a verse. that You can so stray away and become so carnal that, that Satan... At, at any time he desires, he can just take it captive. But not, not of us, because we are, we bear the mind of Christ, and we're diligent to bring every thought down that's, that's wanting to exalt itself above the knowledge of Christ. So we take captive every thought to make it obedient, to make it submissive, to make it in compliance to, to make it attentive, hearkening, that word to make it obedient is to make it listen. Make it listen. I was brought up in a non-Canadian culture, and in, in my culture, our parents, I'm like, the, the way they ask you if you're obedient is you're not listening to me. That equals disobedience. And they pull your ear. Listening. Listening. It's about listening. You're not listening to me. You're not obeying my voice. You're not listening to me. Listen. Hearken. So we're to what? Make, make these foul things listen to the dominion that we're at. You, you, you stubborn thing. You bow the knee. You bow the knee. You listen to me. Christ in me speaks dominion only. Christ in me speaks life only. Christ in me speaks validation only. Christ in me has already justified me. You foul unjust thought coming. You listen to me. I bring you down. We make it obedient to Christ. We make it listen to Christ. We make it hearken the voice of the word of God. And it, it runs right into the next verse, which is most powerful. I just for the first time looked in the Strong's Concordance, verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What did I say obedience was? Listening. In the Strong's, it's, and we will be ready to punish. That word punish is to give justice. So often we are caught into this justice, justice, justice. It, it, I understand it. But the ultimate justice you to enforce is justice in your mind. By punishing wayward thoughts. But no, that's too hard. That's too hard. So we're going to carry those big placards of justice on the streets. We're going to fight for justice on social platforms and media with justice. I tell you, you bring forth a just mind, the mind of Christ. And this mind of Christ brings forth a, 
a, a submission to everything just. And when you move from this justice mindset because you have punished every wayward disobedient thought in you, now when you speak, it demolishes the injustice that's in the world. It cannot stand with the power of God. It cannot stand. And that's what the body of Christ is to do. We are the justice releasers by walking in the mind of Christ, which is pure justice, by punishing every disobedience here in our mind, so that when I walk, I walk as a free mind, as a just man, and I bring forth justice. To punish is to give justice over, to defend, to avenge, to vindicate. Every act of disobedience. Look at this act of disobedience. So we think every act of disobedience. I used to to, to, to until this morning. Act of disobedience was uh, give me an act of disobedience. I don't know. Cheating, lying, stealing. Act of disobedience. And what an act? What disobedience is? Imperfect hearing. That we punish. That we bring justice to every imperfect hearing. It's to do with the hearing. It's to do with the mindset. It is parako, which is neat because the first word parako is the same very first word with paraclete, which is guide, helper, the name of the Holy Spirit. Grieving the spirit by not heeding to the spirit. So this word disobedience is parako 3876, a hearing amiss. By implication, disobedience. This is very familiar because I was raised up this way. Whenever my, 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 my culture used the word disobedience, we used not Listening, not hearing. And that's what brings forth an action that is a disobedient action. This word is, para is contrary by close comparison. And then the next word, aku, is here. So our job is to stay close to here. Do you know what uh, the Holy Spirit's job is? His name is Paracletos. Stay close to speak. Para is close. Kaleo is to make a call. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job is to communicate and the believer's job is to stay close to hear. So this is the close walk. I want a closer walk with Jesus. I want to have a close walk with Jesus. I want to have a close walk with Jesus. I want to have a close walk with I don't have a close walk with I want to be a close walk with you. And you're like right over there, Daddy, and I'm listening to the Holy Ghost at all, not hearing at all, not hearing at all. And the Holy Spirit is is moving by you. Say, I'm right here. What do you mean you want to have a close walk with me? You are. You are a bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I'm talking to you. Listen, listen. Listen, listen. No, I want to have a close walk with Jesus. I just want to, I just want to do right, Jesus. Here. You want to do right? Here. 
You want to do right? Hear him. Hear the paracletes. Hear the Holy Spirit. How can the two words be as they are? It is God's mind to tell you your job is to obey, to listen, and his job is to speak. Close. They both have the word para. Close. Close. One. Make a call. This is, this is the Holy Spirit to paracletes, right? Call to one's aid. And it's from the two words 38, 44, which is the very same word for that word that we read in disobedient. Para. Close besides. And kaleo is to make a call. The paracule that we just read, hearing a miss. It's 34, 38, 44, para, close, and 191, here. The one is close to speak, the other one's close to hear. This is what the warfare is about, your hearing. I'll finish it off right here. Being ready to punish all disobedience, and it's this very word we just read, the paracool. Inattention, as soon as your obedience, and that is compliance, which is attentive listening. What is obedience? I want to obey. I want to obey the will of God. Hear Him alone. Today, hear His voice. Today, hear His voice. It's to hear. When your obedience is fulfilled, when your hearing is completed. When your hearing is fulfilled, and the look of the last word is complete. It is 4137, to be full, to meet. When you fully hear him, when you fully hear him, that is the ultimate victory. That's his confidence on the battlefield the Holy Spirit who's right close to you. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Amen. That's it.